when I spoke to my career teacher and came home, he was discouraged, yeah, my parents said this to me, you don't need anybody's permission to be a great mathematician. And as a, as a child, you hear your parents, and I heard it, but I remembered it, but didn't absolutely believe it. And it's only time later when I was challenged, or I felt challenged, that saying, right, here's a crossroads. Do I remain just a fan of mathematics, or do I actually be a mathematician, but be the true mathematician that I was always meant to be? Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. So today we're getting better acquainted with Dr. Naira Chamberlain, right? Hello. (laughs) Nice to have you on the show. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. So the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? I know you from the, this is my story, you know, this, this, you know, we have to stand up on the stage and tell you my story as the Steve Sidner right. Foundation, that's how I know you. Um, it was a, for me it was quite nerve-wracking because usually when I do a presentation I tend to walk around the stage but there I had, let's say, a microphone and I had to stand still and I was waving my arms about and I was right. quite, at first I found it quite nerving but it was a very uh, great experience and it filmed uh, the foundation for many presentations I've done since then. Yeah, I mean, that was a really... I thought, you know, that was a powerful night generally because it was stories about education. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Spark London, who I work with, uh, True Storytelling, kind of in collaboration as a fundraiser for the mm-hmm. Steve Sinop Foundation, who you mm-hmm. work with. And your story really stood out to me. Uh, not to say that the other stories weren't good. I mean, maybe some of the other stories were technically like better. Like, mm-hmm. like you say, you were quite nervous. It was the first time that you did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a particularly... Un- not un- un- it's an unfortunately unusual story yeah, yeah, that yeah. you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, like, I really wanted to, to kind of get you on the show and talk to you about okay. it. Um, and in fact, today we're recording at Greenwich University, yeah. um, where you've just done a talk yes. uh, that was kind of based on that on that on that first uh, story I heard you tell, yeah. so I feel like I was there at the beginning, yeah. and I get to see it kind of grow into something different, um, and that's really great. Um, so we're we're probably going to mostly talk about that story and about other stories that come out of that story, which is kind of where you've got to now. But we'll also talk about how you got here, how you got to tell that story, how you ended up being in this position. The second question that I ask everybody is, uh, what do you do now? Okay, I am the Principal Consultant for Mathematical Modelling for a company called Babcock International Group. I mean, I guess in a way, asking you what you do is almost like a spoiler for for where you, like, so we know already uh, at this point that you are, what, a doctor of maths, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, I kind of spoiled it in a a way by introducing you as a doctor. What, the, so you've given me the, the sentence of what your, what your job is. Like, what does, it, what, what, what does it actually mean to somebody who knows nothing about maths like me? <laughs> OK, well, I can tell you about generally what I do in terms of my mathematical modelling career. Over my 25 years of being a mathematician, my career is really to look at those problems which engineers and scientists find difficult. So they're saying, OK, this problem is too complicated mathematically, so they'll call in a mathematical specialist. So my job is to do the mathematics that scientists and engineers cannot do. Right. And one of the things that was kind of exciting to me or interesting to me about uh, the presentation that you just gave is you used, um, you used the phrase real-world mathematics. Yes. And that's, like, really interesting because what everybody always says who studies maths at school is, I'm never going to have to use this in the real world. <laughs> right? But you use maths in yeah. the real world, like, very, very strongly, like, in the real world. Yes, because um, one of the definitions of mathematical modelling is that you look into the real world, you translate it into mathematics, then you solve that mathematics, you find a solution to that mathematical equation, and then you apply that solution into the real world. So that's why I call it real-world mathematics. Yeah. So no, And it doesn't really matter what problem or what field it falls into, that's what I do. I look at it, I translate it into a mathematical formula, solve that mathematical formula, and then apply that formula into the real world. And that's why I call myself a real-world mathematics. Yeah, I mean, it's, good, it's, a good, it's a good phrase, and it's really interesting... I mean, you gave some examples of, of this kind of real-world maths that you've been doing for a number of years, you know, one of which was making a computer virus uh, for a Formula One car, right? Yes, yes. So what it was, um, that was probably my best um, 
six weeks of my professional career. Um, what there was occurred was that um, there was a company that worked for a Formula One company, and they wanted to get their program to be integrated into their Formula One simulator so that they could get the car moving faster. But uh, the two computer languages were incompatible, and so what they wanted to do, they wanted somebody to come and actually change it manually. And so I was called over because I said, okay, I used to work for your competitor, so yeah, you signed your program, let's see what I can do. And then um, I said to them, I said, well, you want this to be done, it was in six weeks, because it's in the middle of the Formula One season, he said, you want this to be done in six weeks, I'm thinking, I don't think that can be done, because if I go through it manually, I will sure that somewhere along the line, I'm going to make a mistake. Right. And they said to me, well, you're the consultant, we brought you here, you solve it. So I wasn't thinking, right? and I was thinking, okay, what's the quickest way to change a computer program? I thought the quickest way to change a computer program, I thought the quickest way to change a computer program is to write a computer virus. And I thought, well, if I write a computer virus, isn't a computer virus like bad, like it goes into everybody's bankers' account and gives the money to me? I said, well, <laughs> no, that's more like an evil. Why don't I make a good computer virus, something that will look at the program and actually will create it to be the Formula One simulation, something that's compatible to the Formula One simulation. So I'm thinking, well, it would have to be perfect because if it's if it's somehow wrong, it will corrupt it, it will become evil, so I have to make it absolutely perfect. So I thought, God knows the choice but to go for it. So I went for it, <laughs> write, write this computer virus, didn't tell them it was a computer virus, I wrote the computer virus, and then I released it, and it actually created the, the, Formula, the Formula One simulation module, which was then put into the Formula One simulation and then was actually incorporated. The design that it actually generated was actually incorporated into the Formula One car. Right. I mean, and that's it. And like, so, I mean, and also you said you, you, you work with volcanoes? Yes. I mean, the volcanoes, there was a time when there was a, a volcano eruption in a, one of the Caribbean islands, and this Caribbean island was actually, uh, the volcano actually dominated. The, the Caribbean island and the people wanted to know the policy wanted to know do you leave the island or do you stay on the island you know do you put the experience in the forefront of the mind or do you in the back of the mind and the, you had all like these uh, psychologists coming up with all their theories and saying well Nora can you look at the data and can you come up with some sort of mathematical statistical analysis to show the experience of, of the people who live on the island saying do they put the experience to the forefront of the mind or do they put it to the back of the mind and that's what as uh, that was I doing and hopefully that will let's say inform you know government policy of what to right. do do you evacuate people or do you keep on because at the end of the day do you actually stay at the volcano and get nightmares or do you find it, the, the experience of moving away from the island you know and traumatic so that's and that was what I was uh, that's what I did you, there was many examples and I'm sure that you know we'll touch on others as we talk but the other kind of thing that stood out to me was that there's been an aircraft carrier recently on the news yeah. that's got a plaque with your name on it right yes. which, is, which was a very evocative uh idea to kind of give to a room full of, i should say as well that the, the presentation you've just been giving was to a room full of children mm. uh, like school children um, and so i think you know these kind of ideas are going to be very inspiring uh, regardless of the context uh, but we'll get into the context later on okay. i guess so that so the, so what was the aircraft carrier what did you do for that okay well was that i mean and and that was um with the aircraft carrier, there came a stage when, so ten years back, it was on, it was, it was on a design on a computer screen, but we realised that its running cost was going to be unaffordable, and I was thinking, well, what do we do? And one of the stakeholders, one of the government agent stakeholders, saying, well, we're not going to sign it because it's beyond budget. So what I did is I created a mathematical algorithm to say that if you actually change some aspects of its design, this is how you actually make it affordable. And that was actually presented into like a business case. And I looked at them thinking, actually, we'll go for that solution. And then from that, they started cutting the steel for the aircraft carrier. Right. So like, this is it. The maths that you do has real, like when we say real world, like really properly you know properly physical yes. real world like yeah. a whole boat yeah, yeah. like a like whether people uh what people do in their day-to-day lives on an island around yeah, yeah. a volcano yeah, yeah. um you know and and, and these these are like you know really impressive and exciting kinds of maths and yet you were a child who was told that you couldn't be a mathematician right yes yeah, so i was um you know, I was always interested in math. I was always interested in mathematics, even though I didn't realise that it was an actual career called a mathematician or a mathematical modeller. And so, when you know, you're at school, you know, you, you see your teachers, and of course, you know, your teachers are somebody that you respect, you hold that high esteem. And of course, what they tell you is the absolute truth, yeah, you know, right, or, right, or, right. or is absolute knowledge. You know, that's probably a better way to phrase it. So when I came, when I came to the careers teacher, because it's going through all the pupils, saying, "So, what would you like to be?" And I said, "I'd like to do something which involves uh, mathematics or logic or something like that." 
that, they said, well, they looked at me and said, well, somebody of your physique should be a boxer. So henceforth, they didn't even address what I was trying to say. They just steered me away from it and saying, you should be a, a, a boxer. Right. And for me, you know, I found that very um, discouraging and disheartening that I, what I wanted to be, I couldn't, I couldn't be. Right. And, and, you know, it, and, you know, something that listeners won't necessarily know because this is an audio medium is that when you're talking about the physique that you have uh, being uh, a boxer's physique, uh, this is also a comment that's being made not just to a, a young man with a boxer's physique, whatever that means, mm-hmm. but to a, a black man, a, yeah. boy, a black boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're saying that, you know, what you should aspire to is only one of the, you know, couple of things that white people allow black people to be in yes. society. Yes, right? absolutely, absolutely. So you were growing up, I guess, what, you're from Birmingham, right? Yes, I'm from Birmingham. I, I can say um, I have a, a Birmingham accent. And right. Is it OK if I can crack a joke? Yeah. Uh, it's like some... Uh, there was a Birmingham, um, at Birmingham University, there was an English professor, and he says that uh, Shakespeare speaks with a Birmingham accent, so I'm the closest thing here to Shakespeare. Right, I mean, and fair enough as well. I mean, I, I used to live, uh, some, of my, some of my childhood I lived in Coventry, so, yeah, yeah, and my yeah. mum worked in Birmingham, yeah, so I'm quite familiar yeah, with Birmingham. And, and uh, again, like, that's, in a way, like, that's another thing yeah. kind of like holding you back, if you like, yeah, yeah. In, this, in this dynamic. Yeah. You know, uh, you're. Yeah, you're not just black, you're from the Midlands, right? Yeah, 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 You've got the wrong accent. You're yeah. not speaking with the, the, the voice that people go, oh, that's a professor. Yeah. You're speaking with, a, like, a, I guess, a working class accent. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, you, you know, and so you were, you were told that and you, and you believed that, right? Yes, because, I mean, that is what you believe. I mean, seeing as end of the day, at that age, you know, you're not cynical, you're not, you're not critical, you're not analytic. You know, you, you know a, teacher, a teacher is somebody that you respect, yeah, the teacher teaches you. They say, they say an apple is an apple. Then it's an apple. Right, yeah. right. They're telling the truth. You know, why would a teacher steer me from being who I should be? Right. And, and that's, that, that was the thinking. And it, that, was, that, was my, that was my experience. That was my experience. I, I dragged along. Mathematics was my strongest subject. But I didn't have that absolute passion to it because I didn't believe that I was could be an out-and-out mathematician. So I ended up being very much a fan of mathematics. Right. right using an analogy of the football fan, somebody that watched the players playing football, as, but may enjoy football, may like want to kick about, but they were not the ones that actually all kick the ball on the pitch. They will watch the Ronaldo's and the Messi's do it, right. do it on the pitch. They sit in the stand and watch. You had a, a section of your talk where you kind of listed a few uh, white male uh, mathematicians and like you, you could tell from the way you described like one of them is like just writing on the board and then like throwing the, throwing the pen down and like walking out of the room like yeah. a mic drop moment yeah, yeah, yeah. like that you were like a fan yeah, yeah. that you were like a, and, and, he, and he was like a yeah a great footballer in yeah, your eyes like yeah, yeah. I mean I don't I don't relate to football or maths much but yeah, I can yeah. understand mm. the experience of seeing someone you think is amazing doing mm. something like really coolly yeah, yeah. you know I get that yeah. and you, the other thing that you say in both your story and in your, in your talk is that you know the, your contemporaries all kind of uh, were, were into comic books and you were into calculators. Yes, but you also say that you know you were you were mocked kind of in a racial way, right? Yes, yeah, so, you know, so when it came to let's say to the end of year exams, I think it was around about year eight, year nine. Uh, it's just so kind of happens that oh, I'm surprised I came top of the class in mathematics and the person that I beat, uh, you know, in mathematics, you know. Always was my friend throughout the year. Also started you know, mocking me racially, you know, across the classroom. And I'm right. thinking, and I thought, oh, and it's even though I can't remember it upsetting me at the time, but it's something that I, that is, is I remember has stuck with yeah, me yeah. To, to this very day. Yeah. So he'd been your friend, and then that friendship stopped as well as the abuse. Or the, like... friend, the friendship probably the best way to describe it is the friend. Well, the abuse did stop. But I said that the friendship changed. You know, right. it was. The friendship change, and you're just thinking, well, wait a minute, here's this person who, you know, the, this is the type of mathematician in the class, yes, respect him, we're friends, oh, wait a minute, I got a higher mark than you at the end of your exam, and then he started racially, you know, teasing me, yeah. and so henceforth the dynamics, that the respect I had for him had changed, yeah. and even though, yes, we did remain friends, but the dynamics changed, and right. this is something that, that as I remembered yeah, and to it, this day. You know, and that's, and that's a you know, that's the thing, you, you know, you've got, you've got the, the, the teachers telling you you can't do it, mm. you've got your, the, other, the other people who are good at maths mm. stop 
supporting you once you sort of prove yourself to be good mm. um, and generally in culture like maths is not cool anyway yeah absolutely um, and I guess that's kind of even more complex mm. in terms of different different communities within within that as well yeah, yeah. like like if generally black people are not told that they can be mathematicians then quite often I imagine the black community doesn't have that aspiration for its children too Yes, I mean, I can, let's say, even go, let's say, further than that, is that, for instance, there's something called stereotype threat, where, let's say, for instance, if there's, let's say, a black individual who wants to pursue mathematics, they're thinking, well, should I really pursue this really, really hard? Because if I fail, don't I confirm one of the pillars of racism that black people are intellectually inferior? But don't I prove that case? If I fail in mathematics, don't I just prove that case? So why don't... Don't bother. Right. Don't engage. You're doing it for everybody. You represent all black people yeah. because you're the only one yeah. there. I mean, and, and, and so, like, painting that picture, there were some people who supported you, the idea of you being, like, doing math, and yeah. that was your parents. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I mean, when I, um, you know, when I spoke to my career teacher and came home, he was discouraged, yeah, my parents said this to me, he says, you don't need anybody's permission to be a great mathematician. And as a, as a child, you hear your parents, and I heard it, but I remembered it, but didn't absolutely believe it. And it's only time later when I was challenged, or I felt challenged, that saying, right, here's a crossroads. Do I remain just a fan of mathematics, or do I actually be a mathematician, but be the true mathematician that I was always meant to be? Right. You know? You don't need anybody's permission to be a great mathematician because stepping forward and stepping forward as a mathematician, you're going to be faced with people saying, you can't, you can't. And you have to actually, yeah, they could say it, but you have to choose who you actually listen to. And you actually, cho- well, you may hear them, but you have to choose who you actually believe and move forward into your God given destiny. Yeah, I mean, and it's a great phrase as well because it has internal rhymes. So it kind of like, yeah. it, 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 I can see how it can be a really useful mantra yeah. to have in your mind. Yeah. Um, and the thing that, you know, so your parents said that to you when you were young, yeah. but you didn't kind of necessarily take it on board then. No. But it was the experience of being a parent that made you kind of really listen to the yeah. words that your parents had made. Right? Yes, yes, it did. Yeah, so the, the incident was uh, when my son was about four, uh, and he went to school, and the teacher said to uh, Philip, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Philip said, I want to be a mathematician, because he know that he thought that I was enthusiastic about mathematics, and you know, he just wanted to be enthusiastic about mathematics as well. And the teacher said to him, you will never be a mathematician, but you might become a singer. And I thought, oh, you know, I had a choice of thinking, do I go to that teacher and tell him off? And I'm thinking, no, actually, this, all of this situation, uh, I have to take responsibility for, because... I didn't take up that mantle, that opportunity to be a mathematician, to be that role model to my son, that mathematical role model to to, to my son. You know, if I was, for instance, that mathematical role model to the son who was a mathematician as opposed to being a fan of a mathematician, my son could have turned around and said, well, actually, my dad's a mathematician. And away we go. And move move on. And I'm determined to be a mathematician. So I've decided, right... All those things that, um, that I, I believe was true, re-examine them and actually go for it and be the mathematician who I was destined to be. Because you were already doing maths, right? I was always you were, doing... You, you know, you were actually working doing maths, but yeah. you just weren't a qualified, like you didn't have this stamp of approval. You know, I didn't have a PhD, right. I probably wasn't a chartered mathematician, I was doing mathematics, but it was more a case of, yeah, it's a, mathematics was a more of a day job rather than living, breathing, eating it, saying, actually, this is a... Mathematics wasn't a passion, it was my job, but it wasn't my passion. To be at a level that I needed to be, it had to be your passion. Right. The difference between this is your job and this is your passion, you know. If it's your job, when the challenge comes, oh, sorry, I can't do it. If it's your passion, you refuse to be defeated and you keep on moving forward. Right. That's the difference. And then that, and that's what you did. You, you studied a P- to, to get a PhD. Yes, I did, yes. And yeah. that was quite a lot of years, right? Yes, it was nine years, nine years. And I, I found a supervisor that, uh, that believed in me, believed in me as a, as a mathematician. And somebody like a look, 
and I could trust, you know, that yeah. when he says, no, no, that is wrong, he's saying it's wrong because it's mathematically wrong. He's not saying it's wrong because, oh, by the way, you're black and I'd want to discourage you, yeah. Right. And so henceforth, th- that, trust was, that trust was there and, f- and then henceforth I went ahead. It was a challenge because I was doing the PhD as well as working full-time and as well as raising the, raising the family. Right. It, was a, it was a challenge, but come uh, 2014, I, re- I received my PhD. Yeah, I mean, and it, it seems like, you know, you worked those nine years of kind of challenge like you say there's so many different things competing for your attention yeah, and you yeah. have to have an obsession a passion mm. to focus on yeah. on what you were discovering and you did it you yeah, achieved it yeah. uh, but it seems like like also at the end of that you know you got the PhD but a lot of other gears also kind of fell into place as well and so you also yeah. got lots of other kinds of forms of recognition yes I mean so um, a couple of days after receiving a PhD you know uh, whether it was let's say through a timing coincidence you know, blessing. Uh, I was recognised by the Science Council, which is an umbrella organisation for UK scientific societies, as being one of the top 100 um, scientists in the UK. Yeah, so, so that was that. Was that. And then um, six months later, um, I got a letter from the Who's Who saying that I had been accepted in, into the Who's Who. Yeah. It's just, it's just the change of sound. is just that it started to rain, but we're inside, everyone, so we're okay. But that just to explain the slight moment of change in people's audio experience. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. So, unless so, the who's who <laughs> explaining that the who's who has been around since um, eighteen forty nine. Um, to get in the who's who, you you have to be, let's say, somebody of distinction, influence, you know, or top of your profession. And um, and I think there's, there's probably about 53,000 entries in the Who's Who. And once you're in the Who's Who, you stay in the Who's Who each year until you pass away, and then you move into a book called Who Was Who, yeah? <laughs> and after those 53,000 um, um, entries, there are only 30 mathematicians. And those 30 mathematicians, they either tend to be uh, presidents of major mathematical societies in the UK, or somebody has done some sort of math, outstanding mathematical achievement. And in 2015, you know, six months after receiving my PhD, um, yeah, it was 20, yeah, 2015. Yeah, sorry, I was, got, I was, I was, I was informed. Uh, I was informed middle middle of June um, 2014 that so I would appear in the 2015 edition of the Who's Who. Yeah, <laughs> clarification. Yeah, so in the 2015, 2015 editions of the Who's Who, um, I became the first black mathematician to get into the Who's Who. Right, and I imagine, I mean, you're, so you're, the, you're the first black mathematician who got into the Who's Who, but I imagine the, there aren't very many other black people across the whole board in the Who's Who. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that there aren't, there definitely will be yes. some black people yeah, in yeah. that book, but, the, the, you know, it, we live in a, a, a racist society where people are not kind of equally represented, and mm-hmm. so it's going to be a load of people who look... Well, I normally say who look like me, but probably not with the long hair and purple glasses, who will be in that book. And there aren't that many mathematicians no. in, that, in that book as well. It's like True. a minority of a minority. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So it's a, you know, it's a real achievement to have, to have got that. One of the things that, you know, kind of... Which I'd never heard in the original story when you talked about this originally, um, but I have just heard in your in your presentation is that you know your story didn't stop there, yeah. uh, and you were actually challenged by another first uh, black person. I, I can't remember her name, so you'll have to fill it, fill in the details yeah. on this um, to 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 go further with with where you are. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, um, so I got the who's who, and it's almost like saying, okay, uh, I've proved all my doubts is wrong. So is this, this is a case where we're saying, okay, this is where we, where, where we stop. And so, but I was challenged by Professor Panke, who was the first female black uh, pers- person, mathematician who got a PhD in South Africa. Yeah, got that right? right. Yeah. And she had, a, she had a good saying. She says, being the first is nothing to be proud of, but it's according to ensure that you're not the last. And that was, a, that was a challenge, because they're saying, wait a minute, what I was challenged with is I was challenged by not seeing black mathematical role models, and do I want to, do, my, do I want my legacy to be, he was the first black mathematician to get in the who's who, and by the way, he was the last one to get right. in the who's who, you know, and what can I do to ensure that I am not the last, you know, and that was a, and that was a challenge, and then from that, I'm saying, well, 
what organise you know there is like say a Black History Month you know where it comes uh, every October and they like celebration of black culture and you see posters and the events and it always tends to be about politicians or singers or sports yeah. people yeah. there's not that many um, um, portrayals of black mathematicians there's a few but not that many portrayals so I decided to, to challenge those organisations saying what are you doing in terms of black mathematicians now two of those organisations came back to me and saying yeah hold my hand up we don't know, but we want you to help us. Yeah. So, so I'm pointing at them and they're saying, okay, fair enough, you help us. And yeah. I thought, that's a, fair, that's a fair comment. So I decided to actually do some, do some research and generate a poster called The Black Heroes of Mathematics, which I um, put on social media and it got a, um, positive feedback from places like the European Mathematical Society, the American Mathematical Society, and even from places from Venezuela. So it was, it was, it was very good. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, when you say America as well, that reminds me of another kind of element to your story in that it was only when you kind of met a group of African-American uh, mathematicians who told you, you know, definitely get a PhD yeah. that was part of what made you aware that you could go for this yes yes uh, and I guess that's because of certain you know it's it, there's, there's different traditions in America mm-hmm. in terms of how it, like race works yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and you know they're just it's just a bigger country so yeah. minorities are a larger group yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so like and now and and so like yeah that that kind of moment of like talking about all of these different historical figures a lot of the people on that poster are again african-american right? yes but most of them are um, african most of them are Af- well you had you have three which are african-american one is african and one was jamaican right yeah. right right so you had a good you had a good combination yeah. but i mean the other and the other thing that you know you talked about in your talk um and that people listening will kind of be aware of is that kind of hidden figures came out the yeah. film which kind of showcases uh Women who are black, who are scientists, who, yeah. who you know, who who are responsible for yeah. all of those white guys walking on the moon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And 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 that kind of was something that you, you know, this I thought this was a very moving moment in your talk that that you were a, a boy when those women were doing this, yeah. and because no one told anybody about it, yeah. you didn't have those women as role models, no. and you would have done yes. otherwise. Yes, right? they, would have been, they would have been my role models. You know, they're my role models now, but back then, when I was, let's say, 9, 10, 11, they would have been my role models. You know, if the career teacher said, be a boxer, I would say, no, I would have been, you know, they would have been my role models. Now, yes... Would have been further as I am now, debatable. But it's this, this case of here comes the question: How many black children have given up a career in mathematics because of what they went through, what I went through? Right. That, that's the point. Well, yeah, and that was something I found again very kind of good watching mm. your talk. I mean, mm. it's kind of an op- isn't it? an ideal moment to mention this as we have a group of children walking by the, the window who people may be able to hear in the background but that was like looking around that room there, you know that, it was a very diverse audience so it wasn't just black people in that audience but but you know there were lots of people of colour in that room and they were seeing you talking about this but they weren't just seeing that you were the only one mm-hmm. they were seeing that, this, that when you were a child that people were out there yeah. doing this stuff Absolutely. and going back you know way way back right like some of the examples you were talking about you know were you know in the early days of american history yeah, yeah. well i mean of uh, of colonial american history yeah, yeah. not not american history all the way back but like and and so you know these examples again were are examples that weren't being given and and one of the things i felt you started your talk with which i i hadn't really known known about which i thought was really interesting was the kind of relationship between mathematics and slavery, right? Yes, I mean, so um, Thomas Jefferson, who was the Secretary of State and soon to become the third President of the United States, was challenged uh, about the continue, you know, should slavery be continued? And, you know, his answer, you know, I'm not saying word for word, his answer was like this, he said, it's, he was talking about the slaves, who he described as Negroes, he said, in some senses, they are equal to me. But when it comes to high level of mathematical thinking, 
they're not equal to me. And they'll never will be equal to me. The henceforth slavery should continue. You know? And so mathematics was, was there used as a, an argument for the continuation of slavery. Right. That's a deep level mm-hmm. of real problem yeah. with this idea of not giving, like, not giving people the aspirations uh, that they can think and that mm-hmm. they can be as mm-hmm. kind of uh, intellectually complex mm-hmm. as other people. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's reasons for that, and it comes down to like, yeah, like it's the it's the it's the bluntest example mm-hmm. of the, of why. Yeah. Kids are told that they can't do these things. Yeah, like, yeah. so we can control you, so yeah. we can use you. So you, we don't. If we don't see you as a person, mm-hmm. then we can yeah, yeah. exploit you in all of the ways that have historically happened. But one of the things I think is very moving about your story again is it, that that it's not that it's a history. It's not history. It's present. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, slavery may have gone, but there are still other things yeah. that are keeping black people from ha- having kind of justice and equality within. With yeah, the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, another shocking thing is that you know your your child is told the same thing that you are essentially the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, sure, boxer, singer, you, we can we can quibble about which one of those is a, is more free as an yeah. idea to yeah. aspire to, but mm. they're both ones that you know that's what black people have always been allowed to be as singers yeah. or boxers. boxers yes. Um, and you know, I mean, what do you think like about? All of that, like with with raising this awareness, are you seeing kind of more people of colour in the, the mathematics community in the present as well as in history? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, there's been an increase in the number of mathematicians. You know, like uh, what I've been really been encouraged by was let's say there's a charity organisation called Target Oxbridge, and year on year they call me to give. Uh, a mathematical masterclasses to those students of African or African Caribbean descent who want to go to Oxford and Cambridge and so what I do is I just say okay this is how you um, do technical questions at Oxford and Cambridge and this is how you, you, you portray yourself as a mathematician I tell them think like a mathematician talk like a lawyer <laughs> right yeah and nobody's telling them you know nobody you know if I don't tell them those things nobody's going to tell them you know, and away and away we go. So it's the case that they will go in to to that interview with technical excellence, and and also I tell them about my backstory, so that you know, hoping that they are, they know I'm there to do. So I want them to inspire them to go, not to my level, but to go beyond to where I've to where I've reached. Yeah. And so I'm always, and they've called me back again this year. So you know, I'll be there, and I'm always encouraged about when I've seen you know mathematicians young black mathematicians, you know, raising for, raising for the ranks. And it, it comes to, the, to my point that mathematics is for everybody. It's not right, for the few. Right. So, yes, even though I do talk about black mathematicians, I talk about for every underrepresented group that yeah. mathematics is for everybody and not for the, not for the few. Right, and, 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 you know, it's women too. I mean, this is the thing that the, one of the interesting things is, is that it's still much easier for you to find examples of black men yeah. uh, than it is black women through history of, of maths. Yes, right? but the, Although hidden figures is the big hid, exception to that. Hidden figures is the big exception, but in terms of... You get, uh, I believe that in my research, I'm believing I'll, I receive a higher proportion of black women to black men than would have been white women to white men. So, and that was reflected yeah. in my talk, where I think I'd, I'd say that probably about 35 to 40% of my, the mathematicians I talked about were actually females. Yeah. yeah. And so, what, yes, one, I tried to ensure that I wasn't just talking purely about. Um, 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 black male uh, mathematicians, but the black female mathematicians, you know, were absolutely there, and their contribution to mathematics should be told. And especially the, when we're saying that there's never been a black mathematician that won the field medal, the field medal being the highest award that you can receive mm-hmm. in mathematics. The one that probably got closest to it was actually a black female. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not saying, you know, I'm not suggesting that yeah, yeah. The, the black women aren't, aren't as, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not doing yeah, a kind yeah. of Thomas Jefferson to, yeah, um, no, to no, women. Yeah, yeah. But like, but, but, but that's the thing, it's, it's, it's who gets allowed into the room, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 and, and, you know, I, and I guess there's, there is probably complexity there mm-hmm. uh, now because mm-hmm. um, even though, you know, historically 
women have been kind of pushed back from many uh, places. Uh, currently, education-wise, often it's it's the boys who are yeah, yeah, feeling yeah. that they aren't able to do the kind of yeah. intellectual, academic type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's it all spins around. It's, yeah, it's yeah. never kind of like a simple answer. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's really powerful what you're doing. And and you know it, and you're that you're mixing up. You're going into lots of places. You're going to schools a lot, right? Yes, I am. And, yeah. and you, you're 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 sort of getting on stage, even though you're not. Mm-hmm. That's not your natural instinct to get on stage. No, right? no, no. And and I think that's that's great. And it's great. I think that's another thing I like about what you do as well. But because one of the things people think is you can only get on stage if you're really confident, mm-hmm. super super confident. And you're 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 not, but you're not unconfident. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So people can see. You know, maybe I could be there. Yeah, yeah. It's much more relatable. It's much more understandable. Yeah. Right? I can say my style of talking is I tend I like to walk around, but actually to win. <laughs> Even if somebody gives me a podium and say stand still, there's the thing. Now I've got to walk around, but there, I couldn't walk around the stage because the stage was so small. I wouldn't fall enough. No, but I think you know. I think that's good. Like one of the things I try to do as a, as a storyteller is is like be a bit awkward yeah, yeah. and and show people that it's okay for awkward people yeah, to yeah. Be, to stand on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I really you know, I really thought what you were doing was very powerful and I thought that what was you know what was nice about it is that obviously the the people in the room were like a lot of people came came up to you and talked to you afterwards yeah. and they didn't feel like intimidated yeah. to talk to you like you know I'm sure that uh, you know a, a big professor with like yeah. you know the, the guy that did the mic drop yeah. right uh, no one's gonna go up to him after he's done that mic no, drop no. and say hey you know how could I get into what you're doing yeah. and like you're much you're, you're approachable which yeah. is so important in educational settings absolutely absolutely so like what what is it that made you can you remember when you first kind of got interested in maths um oh yeah okay yes um it was like this what made mathematics the number one thing above any other hobby uh it was like i had like a rivalry with this other mathematician in the class at a level and um we were in Cumbria on a geography field trip, but we were both doing A-level mathematics and mathematics statistics. And uh, she goes, um, um, we had to work out the correlation of the speed of a, of a river in, in, versus its depth of the river. And we got all this data, and we had to do like this correlation. And she did her calculation, I did my calculation. And she got one answer, and I got a different answer. And I said, what answer did you get? She said, I got this. And I said, oh, I got this. And I said, oh, okay. I will do mine again to check to see whether I made a mistake. And she just sat there and refused to do <laughs> She refused to, to uh, check her answer. She just, she just sat there. So, I, um, so I, um, I did my answer again and I got my same answer as I did before. And I said, I've got my same answer before. But she, again, she refused to, uh, to uh, check her answer. So we, we both put our hands up. And we asked the math teacher to come, over, come across and say, Mass teacher, um, she got this answer, and I got this answer. What do you think? You know, what's, what's gone wrong? And the mass teacher turned to me and says, Naira, you've got the answer right. <laughs> and then I saw the look on her face, I thought, oh. <laughs> 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 um, but that taught me a lesson about mathematics is that, you, you know, a mathematician is not necessarily those who find mathematics easy. A mathematician are those who see a question and never ever quits. That's a mathematician. Right. So she, even though she was better than, than me in mathematics, she wasn't a mathematician. But me, I was a mathematician because I saw, I saw a question and I rechecked it and rechecked it and I double checked. And that's the makings of a mathematician. Right. And I, even though I didn't recognise it at the time, looking back and I'm saying that I, I exhibited. Math, a mathematician behaviour in doing that she didn't she just did the question I refuse to check it I refuse to, for it to be validated I refuse for it to be verified while well, I went through the whole stages but so I exhibited the behaviour of a mathematician and that was probably the beginning you know the journey of me becoming a mathematician yes I still was a fan but the journey of me becoming I'm moving into a fan and moving into the mathematician that I am today. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. The, the idea of, like, not... Yeah, like, not checking something because you're so sure that it's right yeah. versus 
never being sure but all, and keeping on checking is, is a real I think that's a valuable difference in lots of different yeah. uh, areas not just in maths yeah, I think yeah, those, those, are, those, the, the, those are kind of different approaches to absolutely. things and I'm I'm generally quite wary of being certain yeah. uh, because you end up with egg on your face a absolutely. little bit like absolutely. that person yeah. in that example you're currently I guess doing your professional life yep. you're also doing kind of Education is a kind of I, I, I don't know I don't want to call it a hobby almost like a, a, a again a passion a cause mm. um, and and you're still bringing up children yeah um, and you know one of the things is but we've you know we, we when we were walking around today you know you're like these these kids are the same age as my kids and there's like having lots and lots of them in the mm. same corridor mm. um, yeah like so I mean so I guess again you're you're doing you're you're trying to keep a lot of plates spinning yes yes. And I mean, you know, what is like, what keeps you going with that? Like, is it, you know, what is that? Well, I think what keeps me going is um, what I don't, when I, um, my PhD, when I was doing my PhD, my PhD had taken up quite a lot of my time, uh, you know, working on a PhD for nine years, working full time. And when that goes, you know, I don't want to suffer from um, post-mathematical trauma you know, <laughs> what do I do what do I do now right, and right, so right. when I uh, when I got approached to do talks I thought okay this is interesting actually standing standing up and doing talks to different people different audiences about different topics I found that quite you know, it was quite challenging but very very enjoyable yeah and it's also what it does it's one to, to inspire to motivate is one thing but it also there's there's a, it helps me it helps me to keep myself sharp yeah it, it, you know so sometimes when I'm, I'm doing let's say my speakers at school talk uh, I'm thinking well how can I change this presentation can I come up with a mathematical model that uh, or, or come up with a new simulation it keeps my, it keeps myself sharp um, I do enjoy let's say my job and and I, and I do that but in terms of you know speaking to let's say speaking to school children or speaking to a general audience, talking to them about mathematics, whether it's the the, the probability of Aston Villa making getting back into the Premiership, <laughs> or the <laughs> <laughs> or let's say talking about I said you know as of today the, the black heroes of mathematics, it's something that I you know I find very enjoyable. And what is good is knowledge. If it just remains in my head, you know, share it, you know, yeah. and. There's a saying that iron sharp as iron, and by meeting people and just talking about let's say mathematicians and others, it, it keeps me sharp, and that's right. and that's what I want to do. I want to keep myself. It keeps me sharp, sharp, but it also keeps myself young as well. <laughs> well, education's a two-way street anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I mean that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you know you're going to learn from the people that you speak to as much yeah, as anything else. Yeah, yeah. And also, one of the things that you know came up that you, you mentioned in your talk is that you know your son is using mathematical modelling yeah. in in what he's doing now, which is kind of computer programming computer yeah. games yeah. Um, and the you know you kind of you have reversed that that message that was given to your son you yeah. have you know you were talking about breaking the cycle yeah uh, and you have done that yes, yes. Uh, not just for yourself but for your son you know yeah. that, that's and I guess you're doing that every time you go out and speak to rooms full of people yes absolutely absolutely and it's it's that it's an important message is that what my parents said to me is that I want to say to everybody, you don't need anybody's permission to be a great mathematician. Yeah. You know, you know, no matter who you are. And this message is not only just for black students or black people; it's for everybody. You know, if somebody can just look at you and say, "We we don't think that you can be a mathematician," and then you can actually go beyond that and saying, "Okay, take out mathematician and put it in something else," and saying you don't need anybody's permission to be a great, you know, yeah, whatever, whatever, because yeah. you know, if that's if that's your passion, if that's who you're supposed to be, if that's who you're destined to be, then who on earth has the right to tell you you cannot be it? No, absolutely. I mean, okay, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, and, and, and I guess, I don't know if this is right or not, but it seems to be something that's come out a little bit in, in what we've been talking about. I mean, do you, are, you, are you a person of faith? Yes, I am. Um, I've, um, I am a Christian, and I've been a Christian since about 1994, yeah, and, and yes, and, the, you know, there's, you know, like you know, I said, you know, iron sharpens iron, and keep on moving forward, you know, and there's, there's one thing that does gets me, you know, which I do talk about in, 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 the, in, the, in the Bible, is that when, when Peter uh, saw the Jesus walking on the water, and he steps, he steps out, and 
I mean, I'm imagining, as I said, a scientist and a mathematician, what would have happened. And I'm thinking he would have heard the water and he would have seen, felt, felt the water. And the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he, he started to sink. Yeah. And that actually spoke to me that if you, you know, if you're, if you're thinking, you know, if you take your eyes off your dream, that is when you start to sink. Interesting. Yeah. So yes, I am a I am a person of, of faith. Yeah. I mean, and, and 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 it seems like that's very kind of almost linked in with like the, yeah. with your story, but yeah. also like with kind of I guess. It, do you think there's something kind of holy within kind of maths within kind of numbers? I guess. Um. It's, it's a challenge. It's, I think there's something holy. I mean, as a person of faith, I mean, I you know I do believe that. You know, I give God the glory. You know, in every step that I, every step I, I do. You know, you know, I thank God for the people that He's put in my life. I thank God for the people that I meet. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Uh, I don't know if you're a person of faith, but I even thank God for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You know. So I mean, because you know, He's given me. You know, as they say, the opportunity to um, to to uh, to to motivate and inspire the people and if it's let's say through my mathematics I can say you don't need anybody's permission to be a great mathematician yeah, yeah, yeah. then if that's my calling then that is my calling yeah and, that, and that's what I that's what I do yeah I mean because I mean and, you know I guess there are some people who see science and religion as a separate thing yes right I'm not one of those people. Okay. I'm also not a person of faith. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm agnostic, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm prepared to believe, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm also like I believe what I see, and yeah, I yeah. don't see uh, evidence either way. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I mean, I was on the radio station um, a couple of years ago, and I was you know challenged about science and and Christianity. And I said, well, what, you know, you know, really is there, let's say there's a difference, you know, this is science and this is Christianity. Well, so, well actually, you know, science saying you, you believe, then, you know, you believe first, you, you, have to, you, know, you have to see before you believe, and then and Christianity say, well, you have to believe before you see. And I said, well, actually, if you start going down to the granularity level, to the lower level, look what uh, John Kennedy said, you know, um, back in the 1960s, it says, by the end of this decade, I want to see a, a person standing on the moon. Yeah? Right. Now, that sounds like science, but that is faith. Yeah, that is faith. Th- that is faith. And then sometimes when uh, a mathematician says, I have a conjecture, what is a conjecture? A conjecture is an idea without any proof. Right. But what's that? That's faith. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know. And I, that, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm agnostic, really, mm-hmm. because I, I can't deny that there's faith in all things. Yeah, and that yeah. science is a kind of faith. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. see quite certainly very strong atheists mm. definitely have a faith yeah. in in their disbelief yeah. um, so it's 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 definitely a much more complex kind of mm. interaction between science and, and religion really. and in fact you know lots of religious people throughout history have been scientists yeah absolutely and lots of scientists have had faith but, yeah so, so it's, it's 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 a it's one of those things i mean there's a, you will have scientists that say no Never the twain, and then you'll have some of the scientists that say, "Well, actually, you know, some of the, you know, like we talk about Euler, who was one of the top mathematicians in history and one of one of the most prolific. You know, um, he was, um, I think, he he was a he was a Christian, and even to once once time, there's a story where um, he was invited to the Russian royal royal court, where he had had a debate between there's a debate between him and an atheist. And he, he says, okay, well, and Euler said this, X equals, so sort of like A plus B over N to the power N, reply, and the atheist walked out the room, you know, and so you're thinking, well, you, now, and I'm thinking my interpretation is that it's saying, us as people, us as men, we don't know everything, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we don't know everything, you know, there is a, there is a knowledge that is beyond us, yeah, you know, it's, and by by thinking that we will know everything, you know, and saying you know, it's like that, what that, he was saying that that atheist that that Russian court was trying, trying to do was he was almost trying to replace the position that God that God God was occupying, you know. So so yes, another mathematician, the other mathematicians in this in this festival, they could easily come up to me and tell me say something very deep in their mathematical field, and I wouldn't have a clue about what they're talking about, right? Yeah, because right. I don't know. If I don't, I recognise that I don't know everything about mathematics. No, but if, no. you know, but if I don't know everything in mathematics, 
That means I don't know everything about geography. I don't know everything about geology. I don't yeah. know everything about music. I don't know everything about journalism. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because because I cannot occupy the space that is occupied by God. But what I can do, what I can do is my calling is 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 if I can go in front of people, um, front front of young people and saying, look, uh, you don't need anyone's permission to be a great mathematician. Maybe they may not turn out to be a great mathematician, but from what I tell them and the, see the journey that I've been through, it may inspire them to, 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 to go and achieve their God-given dream. Because yeah. I'm, I fully believe to be a mathematician was my God-given dream. Yeah, and and and, and that's was my, that's my story. Yeah, I mean, and that's brilliant. I mean, and, and and also, I guess, like that's the thing. It's like you're, yeah, you're you you are a great mathematician as well. Like you're you're not just inspiring people to be great mathematicians. You're like certifiably a great mathematician. You've got the the accolades to prove it, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but then throughout history, there will have been great mathematicians who did not have access to that. Yeah. Uh, that, that situation that would say you are good like there's been people who've been great who've yeah. not known they were great or not been seen to be great yes and I can I can give you a, a story about that um, and it's like my uh, my mum's uncle I don't know what relation that is to me um, when my mum tells me uh, and my cousins tell me the story about my uncle who used to live in the countryside in Jamaica the way they describe him and when they say to me, he comes across as someone that, that was great at mathematics, but because we're talking about the 1940s, 1950s Jamaica, you know, part of the British uh, Empire, up in the, what's called the yard, the countryside of mathematics, there was nothing there to develop him to be, uh, to be, a, mathematician, to be a mathematician, even though he was a mathematician. I said that he was a mathematician because the way the, 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 like my, uh, my mum described him and saying that he used to just do nothing but calculations and love just doing calculations, calculations. And they said that he used to walk around with all these possessions in in a in a plastic bag. Now there was a one one of the greatest mathematicians of the whole time. His name was Paul Erdos, and all he used to do was travel around the world with a plastic bag, with his possessions in a plastic bag. My uncle was doing exactly, my mum's uncle was doing exactly the same thing in Jamaica, but the difference is he was in Jamaica in the countryside where nobody see, saw right. him. But people would have sold Paul Erdos and would have given him the encouragement and the, and the sponsorship to, to, for him to develop to be the mathematician that he was meant to be. Yeah. With my, with my mother's uncle, he was never given the opportunity to, to grow, to become the mathematician that he wanted it to be, and away we go. Yeah, I mean, and that was something that, you know, in, in your talk, that kind of one of the examples you gave that I thought was quite kind of powerful, but, you know, most of the examples were kind of positive examples, yeah. but there was one who was a, a slave who was kind of used... Like to kind of they tested him to see if he got it right. Yeah. It was there's kind of a moment of triumph in yeah. that he got it right and they got it wrong because yeah. they didn't take into account leap years. Yeah. But like still, he was not like he wasn't given the kind of accolades. He wasn't given the no. the, the platform, this sort of support. No. That he wasn't acknowledged even as a human, no, let alone no. as a, as a true. mathematician. True, true. So I thought that was kind of like a yeah. I, I, it was a good note yeah. uh, within the kind of within the examples you were given, but it was a sad note. It was a sad note, it was a sad note. And so, because, I mean, he, he, was, uh, he became a slave in 14, when he was 14, and he remained a slave, you know, until uh, he, till he died. You know, yes, he was used, his legacy that he was used as an example to say, look at this person. Yeah. You know, he proves that black people are not mentally inferior to, to white people. Right. So that was his legacy. Yeah, he disproves Thomas Jefferson, but it's not particularly useful to him <laughs> no, no absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and that so i mean and, and that's it i mean and and you know i do often think you know not just in maths in, in in all kind of areas of life how many great people are never kind of discovered or yeah. never able to show their greatness absolutely yeah. and and that's what i'm you know mentoring and what i'm doing at, uh, at target oxbridge you know, as I say, they you know they, they brought me in just to give the, you know to instill something in these up and coming mathematicians. Saying this is what you need to do. This is what they do because if I don't tell them, who's going to tell them? Right. You know, um, you know who's going to tell them to think like a mathematician, talk like a lawyer? Right. And I'm thinking, well, when we talk like a lawyer, say look at a lawyer. 
you know, a lawyer talks confidently, yeah? Yeah, so when you're doing your mathematical argument, if you're not confident, they're not going to believe you. You've got you to do the subject, do it confidently, and if you make a mistake, say, right, I make a mistake, but this is how I correct it. Be confident, yeah. you know. Confidence is important in mathematics, but if you don't portray confidence, if you don't talk like a lawyer, think like a mathematician and talk like a lawyer, guess what? You're not going to get into Oxford or Cambridge. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like these, it's like two ways, isn't it? It's like, I mean, unfortunately, and it's not how it should be, but yeah. people, if they are from whatever minority group, yeah. often have to work twice as hard. Yes, absolutely. To, to, to get the same level of recognition, or more than twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've also got the other side of it of like representation, meaning that that gives people something to aspire to. Yeah, yeah. You know, my my niece is uh, half Jamaican, okay. and her like. You know, when she was very young, uh, I would talk to her about, like, you know, the stuff I'm into, and she would say, and, and the stuff she was into, and she would say she couldn't imagine a black Doctor Who, she couldn't mm. imagine a woman Doctor Who, let yeah. alone, like, so a black woman Doctor yeah. Who, just like, I was like, wouldn't that be the best Doctor yeah. Who? And she was like, like, even though that's the person she will be, that's the, the yeah. life she has to mm. look forward to, she yeah. couldn't see that. And then a couple of years later, we had the same conversation, and she could, you know, yeah. she, she changed her view. Yeah, yeah. And, she, and, she, and I think that part of the reason she changed her view was because of different other people that she'd seen yeah. other representation in other areas of the yeah, media absolutely. that given her this sense that so, that could happen yeah absolutely absolutely you know and and so you know it's it's it, that that really kind of communicated to me and i you know i'm 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 a white middle class man so you know i'm overly represented in media but even so i never felt like i was represented as a kid looking yeah. at the media because well, men were always so strong and confident, yeah, confident and, yeah. and good at things yeah, yeah, and yeah. like that's not how i felt Mm-hmm. And so, like, if, if I felt unrepresented mm-hmm. and I am massively yeah. represented, then yeah. how does everybody else fucking feel? It's yeah. terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, excuse my, excuse my language. Um, so, yeah, like, I think what you're doing is really powerful and great. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, really pleased that people like my niece um, will be able to, like, look up to you and, and see you as a kind of example of how they can be, you know. <laughs> well, I, I'm humbled. I'm humbled. Yeah. So, that, so it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you today. Yeah, um, the the we've, we managed to find a, a quiet room in a very busy university. So the background sound has occasionally been uh, louder or quieter depending on on what things are happening yeah. in all around us. Um, and we've kind of we've had a, an interesting resonance as well. Like um, it's almost like it's, it sounds like a church uh, kind of resonance. Mm-hmm. The last question that I ask everybody is: Do you have anything to plug? I will be doing a talk on the 29th of July and it's called Success Looks Like This. I think it's going to be at Imperial College. I will send you the details. Send me the details. I'll send you the details. Because what I tend to do is if I I think about too many things too far in advance, I will forget what I need to do. Yeah, I'm the same. (laughs) But I will um, um, be the organiser. Because um, one of the things I tend to do when I do talks in London is like, this is an opportunity for me to talk to those who are networkers who are going to do my future talk with. And she actually came to my talk at ten o'clock, and so I will actually will be plugging that and saying, you know, success looks like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and success looks in this case like you. Oh, yeah. Which is a, yeah, and then yeah. I guess like that's something you wouldn't necessarily have expected to be. Pre- Having a yeah. doing a talk called yes, success looks, looks like, like this, this when you yeah. were, uh, you know a child yeah. being told you should be a boxer. Yeah, so I you know so I will you know the details I will send you the details because Do, yeah. uh, certainly once uh, when this week's over then I can say <laughs> right it's almost like for the next life cycle they say right. At the beginning, I've got this talk to do, so first get the information out there, because what, what, what I don't want to do is get, said I'm talking about this event and that event and getting too many people confused, but success looks like this on the 29th of July. And, um, and if people, like, you, you, you mentioned social media, so I guess we should tell people where to follow you, because then they can find out other things you're doing as well. As yes, you're if you go onto um, Twitter and you just do a search on Naira Chamberlain, that's N-I-R-A, Chamberlain, C-H-A-M-B-E-R-L-A-I-N. I'm the only Nora Chamberlain on, on Twitter, so you'll find me. <laughs> so it's at C-H underscore N-I-R-A. That's my, that's my Twitter. Brilliant. Uh, well, thanks so much uh, for doing this. No problem. Uh, the last thing that I ask my guests 
to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Yes, well, um, thank you for very much for, for listening, and I would like to say goodbye to you, and uh, I'll just end it with the motto, as my parents said to me, you don't need anybody's permission to be a great mathematician. And bless you, and I love you all. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. I'm also working on series two of The Family Tree, me and my partner Jen. Look out for more Family Tree. And if you haven't heard the first series, it's all there uh, over on the website, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, all the places that podcasts go to hang out. So you can listen to that show from the beginning. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like Getting Better Acquainted on Facebook and you can find Getting Better Acquainted on iTunes, SoundCloud, those kind of places. One thing that really helps the show if you have some time would be for you to leave a rating and a review on iTunes uh, telling people about the show and why you like it. If you have money to spare and you want to support what I do then you can donate to the show via the PayPal link that you can find on the SoundCloud page. If you want to support the family tree you can sign up to the patreon that would be so helpful because we're making the second season and so we need a budget we need to pay people and so you could help us to do that but remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted 